But of course, the great thing about towel grabbing is you have to do something. You don't go out and buy something. You don't go and have a look at something. You actually have to physically do something in each location with other people, which makes it a bit more challenging and satisfying. Hi, you're listening to the Fun with Bells podcast, where I, Kathy Booth, interview novices and some of the most famous ringers in the world to reveal the mysteries of this heard, but often hidden, art. My guest today is Graham Nabb, who has been ringing for 55 years. He is a keen tower grabber, having rung at almost all the ringable towers in the UK, as well as some in Canada, the USA and Australia. Graham has recently stepped down from his three-year tenure as a chair of the Association of Ringing Teachers. He has a keen interest in seeing bells restored, as well as teaching people how to ring. He has rung in 2,350 quarter peals, almost all to help develop other people, and has rung about 370 peals. Hello, Graham. Hello. Hello. <laughs> right. My first question is, what is tower grabbing? Well, it's collecting, really. And I think it's a peculiar English thing. People like to collect all sorts of things, don't they? From stamps to pots and goodness knows what. Um, so it's all about collecting. It's going to a tower, ringing there ticking it off in Dove and saying, yes, I've got that one, or, or I've grabbed that one. What counts as having grabbed it? I mean, if you walk in the door and touch the Sally. Oh, no, that would be terrible. No, you have to ring. Um, the minimum requirement would be a few decent rounds with the bells in the proper order, but the reality is normally a short touch. And do you just ring one of the bells? Well, you only ring one bell anyway at a time. But, of course, you would have to go with a band of people. If there are six bells in the tower, uh, you've got to have at least five other people to be able to go along, ring and and claim the tower as, as one that you've grabbed. OK. And how long do you have to ring for for it to count? You said a few rounds, but is there a length of time? No, there's not a minimum length of time. And, and everybody has their own standards as to what they count and what they don't count. It could just be a minute which isn't very long, it might be rather longer. But the what I count is uh, towers with four or more bells and where the largest bell exceeds half hundredweight in weight. Because there are lots of uh, three-bell towers, even two-bell towers, and there are an increasing trend for mini rings where the tenor weight is only a few pounds, and those I don't count. How many ringable towers that, of the ones that you count, do you know how many there are in the UK? Those will be about 6,000 if you include the unringables. I, all I can say is I've rung in currently 5,785 towers, of which about 100 are abroad, and I've only got about seven or eight in the UK that I haven't rung at. Why haven't you rung in them yet? time and opportunity they're they're in slightly awkward places well i said uk that's probably wrong one's in ireland i've got one in the north of ireland one in the south one on alderney and a couple of others scattered around so it's a question of time and opportunity really and do you have to get permission to ring in all of those oh absolutely you can't just turn up it requires a lot of planning you've got to get permission from the 
vicar or church wardens, probably via the local tower captain, and you've got to get enough ringers to support you. So you generally arrange a tour some weeks in advance, perhaps even months in advance, uh, to make sure that everything was in place. And oddly enough, one of the satisfying things about it, one of the things that I enjoy is actually planning the tour, where to go, how to get between the different towers, uh, getting the timings right, that sort of thing uh, is actually quite satisfying. How do you do it? Maps, sitting on the floor with pieces of paper. You don't use you Google Maps then? Uh, no. Oh, no. It takes all <laughs> the fun out of it, doesn't it? You've obviously got good records of, of where you've been. How do you record where you've been? Well, I've got a book where I make a note of the towers that I've rung at, and I've also got a spreadsheet Dove's Guide provides a, a list of all the different towers. Some people tick them off in Dove, but that would mean an awful lot of ticking every time there was a new edition, and life's just a little bit too short for that. There was a database called Towerbase, which had all the towers in and also a facility for you to put the date that you rung there, the date that you rung a quarter peel. But it hasn't been kept up to date for the last couple of years. Um, and so I've abandoned that. So how do you get to know about new towers then that are available? Well, there's a good network. Online, you can go on to the Dove database and every day there are updates, some sort of change of status of, a, of one tower or another. And if there's a new one, that would appear. If that wasn't there, there's still a very good network of people with a similar interest. And the Google group, the, we talk to each other. It's a bit like, uh, it, it's quite interesting. There's an element of um, competition, of course. And, and the key thing is to get and ring at a tower, a very rare tower that haven't been rung before. And I restored some bells locally at Avon Dasset. And they hadn't been rung for many, many years. So none of the keen, enthusiastic tower grabbers had rung there. So I advertised that they could all come and have a ring, provided they crossed the church's palm with about a fiver each. And we had uh, over 100 people turn up. And the local ladies were serving tea and cakes and making a bob or two through that as well. And when everybody had gone after a very, very busy afternoon, uh, one of the ladies said to me, can you tell me what's going on? So I thought about it for a bit and I said, have you ever heard of twitching? Which, of course, is the sort of ultimate of bird watching. And she understood then immediately where I was coming from. They were all twitchers, in effect, but for bells. But, of course, the great thing about tower grabbing is you have to do something. You don't go out and buy something. You don't go and have a look at something. You actually have to physically do something in each location with other people, which makes it a bit more challenging and satisfying. And what are the most unusual towers that you've ever rung in? Oh, there are so many. There are so many. Uh, one that is ingrained on my memory is St. John's Lane in Dublin, where you go up the most scary spiral stairway, exposed at the west end of the church. And it's just a couple, three rungs and a handrail going up about 50 feet or so in front of an enormous window. It's not too scary going up, although it is, uh, but coming down, hey, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> you, you hang on for dear life. And have you got any other adventures that you can tell us about? Oh, lots. 
probably one or two I couldn't tell you about. But an illustration of the sort of enthusiastic and competitive nature of it was many years ago, we got wind of an architect that wanted to see some bells ringing in northern Hampshire, not far from you. In fact, a little place called Stratfield Say. And they hadn't been rung for many years and none of us had rung there. And word got around, and instead of the sort of five or six people required for this test ring, uh, there were about 20 or 30 that turned up in the snow on the January evening after work. And um, the vicar was a little bit concerned about this. And the architect, though, was a a very good fellow. Uh, I can remember at one stage he tucked his head down through the trap door after a bit of ringing and said, Ooh, it's like a ship at sea up here. And when the vicar uh, raised a bit of concern, the architect just looked round at everybody and said, oh, they've come a long way. Let them have some fun. The bells remain unringable. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about tower grabbing? Yes, it's great fun. It's great fun. I mean, you have, it gives you a focus and therefore you have an opportunity to go to places that you would never ordinarily go to and see things in villages, in churches, in other buildings that you would never ordinarily see. You go behind the scenes in cathedrals and large parish churches, and you see wonderful things in tiny little villages. It's absolutely great. And I think one of my greatest satisfactions, of course, is that some of the bells can be very, very difficult to ring. Uh, but to go to those places with a good band of ringers and ring some really rough bells immaculately is is hugely, hugely satisfying. Which are the hardest ones you've ever rung? I, I don't know whether I could really remember any particular. I rang at East Pennard, which were the heaviest five in the country before they were rehung. And that was very, very hard work. I can think of several where we've had to put two people on a, a bell, as we did on that occasion, and they were both working up a sweat. Unless you had anything else to say about tire grabbing, uh, go move on to art? Yeah, move on to art, certainly. So art is the Association of Ringing Teachers, but can you explain what they do? Well, essentially two things. We run courses for teachers Uh, effectively teach the teacher courses for bell ringers and we accredit those teachers once they've completed the course and we also support new ringers through a structured training scheme which we call learning the ropes so it's it's a two-pronged thing basically and what's the history of art how did it come about it was initiated by a lady called pip penny who she learned as a millennium ringer in i think she was about about 50 at the time, and I think she was somewhat dissatisfied with what she saw in, ter- in terms of the teaching of ringing generally. And not long after she learned to ring, she got involved in all sorts of educational, bringing educational matters, including an involvement with the Central Council. Uh, however, they didn't support her ideas, so basically she developed the various schemes on her own or independently, Uh, with support from one or two other ringers and some money from what was then called the Ringing Foundation. I think we were incorporated formally as an organisation in 2012. And how has it developed since then? Uh, Hugely. (laughs) Hugely. (laughs) I think there have been something over 2,000 people who've attended the teachers' courses. 
of which about 500 and probably nearly 600 have been accredited, about 550 are currently members. I don't know offhand exactly what the registered new total number of registered new ringers is, but it would be in excess of 3,000. There were 1,400 registered last year alone. So a, a lot of activity by a lot of people. In addition to that, we've also a lot of publications. We've got some videos. We've got booklets. And we've got a website with all sorts of support for both teachers and new ringers. So an awful lot going on, basically. What are the projects that are going on at the moment? What's art focusing on at the moment? Well, at the moment, we're really catching up with a huge increased level of activity. We've still got quite a big demand for courses. We are updating some of the materials that we have and we'll be developing some materials for slightly more advanced change ringing and also updating uh, some of our IT support as well. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about art? Well, I think it's made a difference. I've done a lot of these courses and you get a whole variety of people attending them. Um, You get some very experienced stringers coming along. And I think without exception, they've gone away thinking, oh, I've learned a little something. I'll be able to use that technique or that was an idea that I never had before. And we get the very inexperienced teacher, perhaps someone who's never taught in their life before, but has been thrust into a situation where they're the only person locally where they who has to teach. And they go away with some ideas and a structure and someone to mentor them, to support them through what is what is quite a daunting task for them, really. So I think, without a doubt, it has made a difference at a time when a lot more support for, for teachers was required. I'm going to ask you now about your advice to different sets of people. So the first one is, do you have any advice for potential ringers? You know, should people take up ringing? Yeah, it's great. It's fun. You'll get hooked. You'll see places that uh, you'll you'll never see if you didn't ring. And it's a great challenge. It's a never-ending challenge. Uh, and there's a good social aspect to it as well. So do it. It's fun. And what's your advice for new ringers? Go to other places. Meet new people. Be happy to stray from your own tower. Ringers are generally very welcoming. You can go anywhere, join in with a practice or Sunday. And the more that you go around, the better your bell control will be and the more new friends you will make. And for somebody who's maybe gone through the art training or somebody who's an experienced ringer and they're thinking about teaching, what would you say to them? Well, I would say it was a good idea. We, we still need a lot more teachers of ringing. Some of the standards in teaching are lamentable, and there are many towers out there that are crying out for a teacher. So I would say, yes, come to art, go on the course, get yourself trained, and then see what you can do with others in your area to interest some people and, and get teaching. It's fun. It's enjoyable too. teaching. It's teaching generally is an immensely satisfying thing to do. So my last two questions are, apart from the towers that you regularly ring at, which is your favourite ring of bells and why? I'll give two answers to that. I think, first of all, I can't ignore uh, the swan bells in Perth, Australia. 
absolutely wonderful. The environment is special on the edge of the Swan River. The building itself is fantastic. It, it's a museum, but it's modern. It's specially built to display a swan, and it, it's the most fantastic place. So that's one. And the other I think I need to go back to is Kongsbury in Somerset, where I rang for about 10 years. They're big, heavy eight. The, the back six bells are the oldest of that weight, still in existence. And I just really enjoyed ringing them. What makes you enjoy ringing a particular set of bells? The sound and the feel, really. Yeah, a lot of it is about what you feel on the end of the rope. Every bell is different. And you get a lot of feedback through the hands and, and arms and what you feel when you're ringing, but also the sound. I think their sound is, of the back six in particular, is really lovely. And when you think that that sound had not changed for about 300 years, you know, it puts it in perspective. Right, my last question. Has there anything remarkable happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken up bell ringing? Oh, um, well... Meeting people, I think, is probably the most obvious answer to that. Uh, meeting my wife, Sue, uh, that wouldn't have happened, certainly, if I hadn't taken up bell ringing. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the most important thing, isn't it, really? Thank you to my guest, Graham Nabb, who has told us about tower grabbing and the Association of Ringing Teachers. Next, we have a short section where your questions are answered by an expert in the world of bell ringing. Today, Pip Penny, the driving force behind the Association of Ringing Teachers schemes for learning the ropes, provides the answers. Our next question comes from Sarah, and she's emailed us at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com. She emailed us to say, I've got my first court appeal coming up shortly. In practice and in Sunday ringing, we only ring for short bursts of time. Have you any tips for maintaining focus and technique for longer periods of ringing? Yes, Sarah, you, you're going to ring your very first court appeal. You don't tell me whether it's actually going to be on the tenor or the treble. But I think one of the things that you could do is ask your tower captain to ring for Sunday service, perhaps, Instead of just a 120 of the method, which is a normal short burst you might ring, you, if you could ring a 240, it would fit in very well with service ringing. And it, it's a good way to extend that little bit of extra concentration. The other thing is, you, if you're ringing doubles, for example, you can listen for every time it comes round. You know that it's got, got to come round 12 and a half times, 10 and a half times to come round for the full duration of 1260. So if you listen to every time the rounds, the bells come into rounds, then you'll know how far through you are. The other thing, if you're ringing on the treble, is to make sure you just keep counting your place. And if you just count your place all the time, then you're likely to be able to focus. Don't try and look at the clock. Don't try and think of what you're going to have for tea. Don't think of anything except exactly focus 100% on the ringing. Thanks to Pip Penny for her answers to your questions. Please let us know your questions and send comments by emailing me at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me an audio file of your question to be played on the show. More information, photographs and links can be found in our show notes 
at www.funwithbells.com. I'm Cathy Booth. This podcast was put together by a team. A special thanks go to Leslie Belcher, Nick Boyd, Anne Tansley Thomas, John Gwynne, Sue Hall and the Society of Cambridge Youth for the recording of their ringing. If you're in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to the ringingteachers.org or, for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. Do let me know that you've listened to the show. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This is one of the many podcast directories where you can listen and subscribe for free. And if you've enjoyed it, please consider posting about it on social media so that others can find it. Next on Fun With Bells. But unfortunately, you know, an awful lot of people, and I'm sure it's exactly the same with tower bells, they think they're very easy to play, and they're not at all. Uh, there is a huge technique in playing a handbell, and so people go, oh, I didn't realise it was so difficult, <laughs> but we do try.